I talk about something about a tree, like I, I love a tree from my childhood and everybody else starts thinking about how they love a tree from their childhood as well. It kind of, it activates a particular part of ourselves that was already there, but maybe dormant. The internet of nature to me means figuring out how we all have more commonality and how we think about nature than we did before. everybody. Welcome to the Internet of Nature podcast, a place to explore the emerging technologies and the practitioners that are building greener, healthier, and smarter communities. I'm your host, Nadina Hulla. In this season of the Internet of Nature podcast, we explore the future of urban forestry together with Planet Geo, a pioneering urban forest software and consulting company. I partnered with Planet Geo because they are at the forefront of trees and technology, helping communities around the world map a greener future. Together, we've chosen nine key topics facing the future of urban forestry. In today's episode, episode three, we wanted to dive into tree fluencers, social media influencers that use trees as their subject matter of choice. There's really no one else doing this quite like Tobin Mitnick, an actor, comedian, and naturalist widely known on social media as a Jew who loves trees. His social media account, at Jews Love Trees, has over 500,000 followers across his platforms and has attracted attention from Wired Magazine, he was voted one of the best TikToks of 2020, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, and other publications for its combination of Tobin's love for trees, comedy, and sketch. Tobin has written and performed award-winning sketch pilots and solo shows, has acted as the lead in feature films and guest-starred TV series, and has performed Shakespeare in regional theaters across the country. I can personally attest, as you'll hear throughout this episode, that he is also very, very funny. Together, we discussed all kinds of things, like how his growing up in rural Pennsylvania led to his obsession with trees, his insanely expensive, at times, bonsai addiction, his Tremies, the Tree Emmys, which awards trees uh, with different... um, different awards for uh, pop culture references. There's nothing quite like it going into its its second annual show. And of course, the role of tree influencers and how pioneering tree influencers like Tobin can drive awareness towards trees and all that they do for us. Influence of drastically changed consumer behavior for all kinds of different sectors. So I was curious to see, could they do the same to raise awareness about the benefits of trees? I'll leave that up to you. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Tobin. Hi, Tobin. Welcome to the Internet of Nature podcast. Super happy to be here, Nadina. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. So to kick us off, um, I know you as at Jews Love Trees on Instagram and on TikTok, where you've amassed quite the following over the last couple of years. Something like ha- something like half a million. No, I think over all the over all the social media things, it's like half a million. But on TikTok. It was kind of like that first year got mm-hmm. like most of the people follow me in that first year. And ever since then, I've been trying to get back to, you know, that former glory I had. Uh, so, but um, oh, no, the but life I think of a social like... media influencer. <laughs> no, but I, th- I think it's like, um, 
I was making incredibly targeted niche material for for people who liked jokes and trees and maybe some Judaism and a lot of self-deprecation at the same time. And you're going to get those people pretty fast. And it's not like you're just going to exponentially grow for, you know, the rest of time. So but I, I I love the community. I think they're they're all really funny. They tend to have a really good sense of humor about themselves. Um, so and and there's completely different interactions that happen on each of the social channels. So um, you get to just you get to see a different part of it, depending on where you are. So for the people that aren't as familiar, um, what is at Jews Love Trees? How, how did maybe let's even let's even take a further step back. Who who is Tobin? Cool. OK, um, uh, bullet points. Uh, I'm an actor primarily. I I still say I'm an actor. Um, I've I moved to California to to be an actor. I went to school to be an actor to perform in theater initially. Um, then I moved into film and, tele- uh, film and television, and then I moved to Los Angeles, and it was a, a pretty difficult transition, um, as it Where is for a lot of people. Where did you move from? Uh, New York. Right. I was there for, for school and then for six years afterwards, um, and my then-girlfriend, now wife, uh, and I drove across country. And we ended up here, and for like three or four years, I was kind of just grinding it out, making the kind of stuff that you do to get attention uh, from either casting directors or producers or that kind of thing, you know, making your own um, little web series, or I did a lot of like, I did a one man show at a fringe festival, I did a, a comedy pilot just featuring myself. So <laughs> I've always had this kind of like, quite self absorbed uh, bent to my creativity, which is like, which is great, because you don't really need anybody to get your stuff done. But at the same time, it's uh it, I think everybody else is like, God, Tobin, when are you going to be done using yourself as your subject matter? And I'm like, but there's so much to make fun of. Uh, <laughs> this, so... is a, this is an endless treasure trove of material. <laughs> Why would I stop now? Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, I'm a clown. Why am I going to stop clowning myself? Um, were were but... you a class clown growing up as well? Uh, yeah, 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 totally. I, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I was, I'm the third youngest initially. And then I got another brother and sister when I was uh, 13. But for a long time there, I was just a, an attention-seeking missile. Um, and uh, but when I was young, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and I grew up around in in rural Pennsylvania, around a lot of beautiful trees and stuff like that. And I was mm. always very much into anything naturalistic. I went through a lot of phases, you know, like meteorology, gems and minerals, uh, huge fossil uh period, huge shark period, and a big pine cone period as well. My dad had all these like california pine cones like the big ones that you yeah. can't get on the east coast well a, a frequent North. subject matter of many of your videos now i really do like pine cones a lot i'm not sure why i like pine cones a lot um <laughs> i think they're just weird it's like this is how i'm gonna give you my seeds in this <laughs> foot long gigantic piece of wood that falls out of a tree uh well, and, I think you... um... no sir go go ahead but i was just gonna okay. No, I was just going to say interrupt you... me at any time because I never have anything of value to say. So just <laughs> don't say I'm that. Keep oh, going the self-deprecation go, already starts. Up. It's time for me to talk. Yeah, no, I was no, just going to say that I think that's that's one of the so I'm going to um, hit your self-deprecation back with a compliment, which you're not going to like. But I, I think that's not. I think that's one of the things that um, have made you so popular because you found a way to talk about trees in a way that hasn't really been done before. Right. We typically any kind of material that's been done around trees has been very much done in a very majestic, almost nature documentary type way. And you Mm -hmm. found a way to 
really be able to share a lot of complexities behind trees, but in a in a fun, self-deprecating, easy to understand way, which I think has clearly struck a nerve, especially with during COVID, right? That's where you really saw a lot of growth. Oh, yeah, because everybody was in their backyards. Everybody mm. had all this restaurant money that they weren't doing anything with. And mine went towards bonsai um, and mine went towards she's uh, like road trips to the sequoias and all this different kind of stuff, pursuing the kind of naturalistic interest that I had from when I was a kid, mm. but in a much more substantive way. Um, but yeah, those those things always kind of meshed for me, like thinking about it's a much more honest um like what am i trying to say um though all of those influences were with me from very very early on comedy and nature and like judaism and self-deprecation like i would do like really silly kind of characters with my brothers and sisters in uh, home videos when i was a kid um so it wasn't a huge stretch to kind of just talk about them freely when covid came around and there wasn't as much pressure mm. to kind of make things that were conventional in the entertainment industry like suddenly i could just be like well i'm just gonna make jokes about uh this thing that i like to do in my spare time uh my hobby trees and uh, i don't really give a shit if it gets picked up or um sorry can i swear on this podcast yeah absolutely sweet um and when the pressure was off and I felt freer to talk about the things that I wanted to talk about that aren't usually um, expected of me, because I kind of look like a douchebag. That was the kind of type that I was typed into for a long time, uh, for better and for worse. And right. Rarely ever got roles anyway. Um, and it was just it was a lot more fun. There's always this source that you can come back to for inspiration and creativity and trees. And it's like it's very corny and pretentious to say that they're my muse in terms of keeping me creative, but it's, it's quite true. Um, like whenever I don't have any ideas, I know that I'm either not doing one of two things. I'm not running, um, which is a tool I use to keep, uh, all of the, my different kinds of anxiety at bay, or I'm not spending enough time around, things that spark my imagination uh first and foremost are you know trees hmm. and it's it's basically just kind of showcasing the things that i use for my own personal artistic sustenance um and combining them with some of my other interests right so you started what what was the very first video that you made first video uh, regarding made, trees um, regarding oh yeah <laughs> the first video i made um Sorry, there is some major ambulance action happening outside. Oh, I don't oh, hear anything. My dog. Can you hear my dog? No, He's I can't. His, those are some terrible singing voice. Those are some, <laughs> some great uh, Dr. Dre three-year-old headphones. Oh my god, is that what they are? <laughs> oh gosh, what did I buy my daughter? Um, with daisies, my... Dr. Dre with daisies. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dre with daisies. Um, my very first video about trees was okay he's almost done stop I, I don't hear anything it's uh, i i almost wish you could because you'd be like that dog can't sing <laughs> he's the most enthusiastic karaoke performer of all time that just can't sing a note not um, often a subject matter in your in your videos though he has yet to my make dog? yeah 
I should I should put him in more. The only yeah. thing is like supporting actor. He's so. I, I, yeah, I mean, he's a really great supporting actor. I mean, he he's a really great. Um, like he's he's always you know like farting and pooping and doing all the funny stuff that everybody loves. Maybe I should put him in the video. Yeah, Thank you so much. Um, the the first video I made about trees was about cedars. It was about um, the idea of not the idea that the taxonomical branch of true cedars mm-hmm. genus cedrus as opposed to um, all of the false cedars that we usually talk about especially in the Americas like western red cedar or um, incense cedar or all of these other kinds of trees that have a hyphen or their words are like portmanteaued in mm-hmm. order to distinguish them from the true cedars and the true cedars are these three or four species of really I, I i hate using the word majestic because it is the most overword used overused word in treedom but these majestic trees that grow natively from the himalayas all the way to morocco um and they are deeply ensconced in the bible um and also just each one of their cultures in which they're just important to a lot of different cultures Mm -hmm. and um they grow in los angeles because a lot of people wanted to kind of duplicate that sense of old world grandeur um that a lot of uh like like aristocratic houses to do in england where you'll find these three or four hundred year old like cypress cedars growing in front of them um and so they're like well we can do the same thing in los Velas. so we'll plant a bunch of Diodar cedars in front of Los Feliz and we'll do, uh, we'll show everybody else that we're also like important colonialists or whatever they wanted to do. I don't know. Um, and so I'd started making a video about it and I kind of like popped up to the Hollywood Reservoir. So a few cool spots to see them. And then at the end of the video, I visited what they look like in bonsai form, which was something that I was engaging in a little too aggressively at that point because that cedar tree died. Um, and yeah, that was, it was really fun. And I got just the right amount of feedback at first. That was like a three or four minute video um, to kind of do another couple of them. And then I did one under the Redwoods in in Griffith Park. And then a friend of mine, uh, sorry, not a friend of mine, my wife's cousin, who's now my best friend's wife. Um, so I'm related to my best friend, which is kind of crazy. Um, told me I'm, to put my I'm, stuff on TikTok. I'm following that. Right. Okay. Sorry. Again, <laughs> you just have to say, shut up, dude. Shut up. Stop. Stop. Shut up. No, we get um, it. A, uh, okay. Got it. Um, uh, a far removed, a family member who also happens to be a good friend. <laughs> who I also, who a far removed family member happens to be a good friend who I see three or four times a week. Um, he encouraged told you me to put this stuff. Oh, she, on, oh, she, she encouraged me to put it on TikTok. And I was like, yeah, right. First of all, I'm old. Second of all, this TikTok thing is done. You hear me? It's done. It's it's mid 2020. Nobody's going on TikTok anymore. And she's like, all right, try it. And I was like, okay, I'll show you it's done. Nothing's going to happen. And I put it on there and nothing happened. Hmm. But I made like three or four more videos. And then I made one that I really loved making, which was going up to the bristlecone pines. Uh, which are the oldest pine trees in the world in the White Mountains of California. Amongst them are a couple 4,500 or 5,000 year old trees. And I kind of just made a exploratory video when I'm where I'm jumping around like a lunatic and singing because that's what you want to do when you're around them. It's 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 incredibly moving and not just in a like wow I feel like nothing 
sublime sense, but in a like, holy shit, I've never felt more alive sense. And um, I put that on TikTok. And that was one of the ones where you wake up the next day and it's like, wow, I have 35,000 people following me. This is weird. I finally have attention for just being myself in a way that I couldn't get for trying to make a lot of other weird comedic content for the past 10 years. Right. Um, so it was a no brainer that I would just keep going with that and furthering the idea of developing a comedic sense and style. And, um, and who knew to... that tree TikTok was, was such a niche that had to be filled. I have no idea. Well, I, what well, I was looking around on there. I was just like, trees are really great. <laughs> Why is everybody making videos about like, I'm trying to think about what, what was dominating TikTok in like, well, like, like two um, and a half years ago. Sour sourdough. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Sourdough was a big thing. Sure. Um, different it was all dances. Like my, yeah. And that, and it is my, it was, you know, in a lot of ways, my pandemic project. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was just a lot more expansive and outdoor based and, and that was exciting, I think, for people to see. And so yeah. a lot of those early videos, especially before I had my daughter, were adventure-based kind of things because I had a lot more flexibility and just like popping out to a national forest or the mountains for a day. Um, can't do that anymore, but that's okay. You you live well, and you learn. She uh, she's she's a uh, speaking of supporting actors. Uh, she sometimes makes a cameo. Yeah, she hangs. Mm -hmm. she's, she can hang. Mm -hmm. Um, she's awesome. She loves trees. Uh, yesterday I was teaching her about um photosynthesis and How'd that go? honestly pretty well because she wanted to know <laughs> i want this me, lesson plan oh this is the lesson plan so obviously poop is a big subject we went to the zoo the other right. day and an elephant pooped right in front of her and she was like oh my god that's amazing and i was like that yeah, is highly amazing. exciting i was like it's incredible and we got home and she was like daddy how do trees poop and i was like ha, 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 it's my here's my chance I've, I've only been waiting my entire life for this I've, question exactly <laughs> and I like pull up some image and it's like one of those ones where it's just arrows going in a circle you know like into the air into the tree you know and she was like right. arrows like I want to see the tree poop I was like okay I'll find one and I finally found an image where it's like blown up um you know oxygen molecules or like c6h12o6 molecules and she was like and I was like, this is it. These, This is what the poop looks like. It's these little like red and white balls. And she's like, oh, hell yeah, tree poop. And I was like, the oxygen goes here. And, then, and once I could explain it to her with the with the visual uh, prop that she liked, right? she was all for it. So she knows what oxygen is now. She knows That's the tree it. poop oxygen, which is cool. That's yeah. it. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, um, I want that lesson plan. Absolutely. I'll write it up. <laughs> um, so speaking of... Um, using this kind of platform that you have now as a as a way to educate people or emp empower people even in a way with knowledge about trees that they might not have had before that was why one of the reasons why I was really interested in talking to you because I feel like and I'm curious if you feel the same that there's less and less interest in nature and in trees in general if we you know we're not talking about millennial generation but the generation that became came after us i feel like there's less and less interest in nature and i feel like using a platform that you know kids these days are already on if that's a potential way to kind of reignite that passion that i do believe that affinity and that 
interest is there in the vast majority of us. We've just kind of lost sight of it, or we might even have gotten so far removed from it that we feel intimidated by it. And we're not really sure how to, how to get it back. And I feel like the the content that you make is a way to kind of encourage people to get outside and check it out themselves. Do you, have you, do you feel like that's a trend that you've seen? Um, well, I think it's, it's difficult because I tend to see people who are already fans of the outdoors and nature's like coming to whatever platform I have and like leaving a comment or so it's kind of a self-selected group of people already. Um, But I do try to, you know, take those particular anecdotes to heart where somebody says something like, Oh, I never really thought about that before, which are like, you know, seven of the most valuable words in the English language. Um, And part of it is is trying to find a way and you know you know i i wrote this book so i'm trying to i develop in writing some of the ideas that i have like floating around in my head um one of the ways that i want everybody to at least try to approach thinking about the outdoors thinking about trees trying to think about being a part of nature as opposed to apart from nature is understanding themselves as already being naturalists because there's a good chance that at least from everybody that I've talked about even if these people are you know city dwellers who haven't ever had a second thought about trees there's a good chance that you have a tree that's really valuable to you from somewhere in your childhood Um, and if you start talking to somebody about that and poking and prodding it a little bit in a kind of obnoxious therapist way uh the chances are that they're going to get really vulnerable with you about how you they feel about a particular tree. Mm-hmm. Like I was just talking to somebody the other day who said, oh yeah, there was this like big tree that these weird roots that grew out of the ground. I was like, oh yeah, buttressed roots. It was probably like an Indian laurel fig or something like that. And they're like, oh yeah. Like, and you know, um, and like my dad would always take us to this tree for some reason. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you- dads really are into trees for some reason i'm not really sure why i could attest um and yeah and we kind of just we went off from there kind of talking about why this tree was symbolic of this time in her childhood and and these Mm. memories that she has around her dad um and i'm not you know i'm not a therapist but i do want people to slow down when they're on the sidewalk um because it's incredibly rewarding to be able to have a a personal relationship with the trees around you in terms of thinking about the generation after us being a little bit less involved in nature and i I don't want to be like cranky old man here but i think it is just kind of theoretical you know Mm. it's it's they're still going to be interested in the superlative aspects of nature the oldest trees or the biggest trees or this tree has a hundred colors of it and it's a queer icon because of that which is one of my favorite memes in existence the rainbow eucalyptus tree but trying to convince people to get outside and experience trees that are near them that might not be nearly as interesting is a is a tall order um which I guess is why I'm so dedicated to the idea of combining fun and, you know, idiocy and clowning around and jokes about trees, because if somebody can make a joke about 
trees, they might actually like go out and want to make a joke about trees. They, it, I don't really have a good answer to your question. Um, but I know it's a project worth engaging in. Um, and yeah, I guess it's kind of, kind of still in development thinking about how to approach things for a younger generation. Cause I feel like an old man all of a sudden. And uh, yeah, I know it's, it's hard. It's hard to talk about, um, generational differences without coming across. really without sounding like a friggin' crusty old loser <laughs> my uh i i have an i hired an intern to help me out uh with a lot of the book promotional stuff and because i'm having a baby in a couple of weeks i know that just things gotta keep rolling logistically because mm -hmm. the book comes out next month um and she's just and again, it's she's a very self-selected audience. She applied through my Instagram. Uh, so she's already like a nature lover and, and all of that. And somebody who like has pictures of herself when she was very, very young, like hugging trees. And I was like, I'm hiring you. Part of the resume. Uh, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it, was, it was part of the resume. I'm like, I'm hiring you. Um, but talking about the differences between our generations, because she's in college, she's a sophomore, um, is, is very is very interesting because she has a particular like i think she she i don't know i uh, this is this is where i run up against the idea of not having enough words to describe how i how i feel but needless to say she's an incredible intern she has all of these technical gifts um but like I don't know what I was gonna say. Next question, Adina. I'm done with this one. Uh, let me let me just erase all of what I just said and just say Libby Orin, A plus intern. She's the greatest. <laughs> that's good. That's that's the moral of this story. Um, yes. I am curious because I do feel like there's municipalities all around the world with their mm -hmm. respective urban forestry programs that are really struggling to engage people to whether that's coming out planting for trees caring about trees even just educating themselves about trees and all that they do for us especially in urban contexts mm -hmm. and i'm curious have, have any municipality of los angeles any other kind of city or regional organized nonprofit, for example have reached out to you and said hey maybe this is a platform that we could use to encourage people to get involved that might not otherwise do so yeah, um, a couple of people have. Um, it's something I tend to stay away from, at least right now, just because mm -hmm. I don't want to like over over extend myself into things that are like actually important until I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> because, That's ridiculous. Uh, well, it's it's just like I don't believe this. It's it's true. Is this true? No, it's because it's like I I still see myself as an actor and an entertainer, um, and I'm getting into into like actual things with actual stakes bit by bit because I don't want to make a huge misstep early on and like overextend mm -hmm. myself. Um, but I think what's most important to me as opposed to like, I, I, I love learning about things like canopy and tree cover and tree equity. Um, but I think what's most important to me in thinking about it from more of an activist bent is getting people who have been historically marginalized to understand that the outdoors is a place for them as well. Um, the people that might not already be following Jews Love Trees. Yeah, yeah, sure. People that might not al already be following Jews Love Trees. Um, and I'm excited to start interacting like IRL 
with people this this summer which is very yeah. cool I'm, I'm really nervous to like start actually talking to like crowds and and leading people on on hikes and stuff like that this summer that's um, amazing is that part of okay so you mentioned a couple of times i wanted to address your book as a thing but is this is that part of a, oh we don't like, have like to. a book it's a work tour by, it, it's a work by a sociopath you don't you don't have to address my book it's fine stop it um, is that it, is that part of like a, a like a book tour these hikes and these events that you're doing that's not part of a book tour. I don't know if I can talk about it yet before it's been like announced, but okay. I'm working with an outdoor advocacy group um, and they basically lead huge hikes for like young people, young queer people all over the Amazing. country, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, and um, no, but the like the speaking engagements and, and stuff like that will be related to the book. Right. Um, and it's kind of... I'm trying to think about how I can combine, uh, you know, in in live events when you're talking to people about trees, how to avoid the 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 common kind of like person talking to another like smart person about trees and uh, the the reverent mood that you know casts everybody into an odd silence when you're looking at pictures of a beautiful majestic redwood on a screen, you know, like. Do you think that there's some kind of, because I can imagine like, you know, sometimes in the tree world, there is maybe like a bit of pretentiousness. People might get mad at me for saying that, but sure. do you, and again, like that's one of the reasons why. Well, it's, I, it's pretentious because people love them, right? And they're inspired sure. into, into, into like, into speaking in really precise and beautiful prose and poetry because they feel as though they're in the presence of mm -hmm. something that demands that of them right it's yeah. a, first the the pretension is no one's fault is what I'm trying to say yeah no right. I think that's a good way of looking at it so um speaking of finding it hard to find the words sometimes to describe how you feel around trees and everything that they offer uh despite all that you decide to write a book uh, called Must Love Trees, an unconventional guide. How did right. how did that project come up? Well, um, my my publisher, uh, her name is Rage Kendallsberger, which is of course the greatest name of all time. <laughs> um, at Quarto, came to me and she said, "Did you did you ever think about writing a book?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. You're out of <laughs> your mind." Um, and she was like, "Think about it." And I was like, "Okay." Um, and that was just kind of a blind contact. And then I was like, "Okay." I, I always can't shut myself up. I always have to edit down my like five paragraphs down to like three sentences for a TikTok or something like that. So yes, I clearly have a lot to say regarding trees, whether it will be interesting and substantive. Who's to say? But you know what? I'll never have another shot to write a book in my life probably. Um, so I said, okay, I would like to do this. Um, it will be very much like building a plane while flying it to adapt an improv metaphor um but i would like to write it in my voice from the standpoint of an enthusiast because i am not a researcher i am not a professional i am a content creator i am you're a fan being that i'm a fan and like uh i would like to explore some weird avenues and i would like to get um if you have an idea of like the tiktoks that i do i'd, I'd kind of like to see if i can adapt that mood and tone into into prose um and she said great write about whatever you want <laughs> so i was like okay hey everybody thanks again to this season's sponsor planet geo planet geo has a suite of software and services 
all designed to shift the urban forestry conversation from hypothetical to reality. See the link in the show notes to learn more. And now, back to the show. So, you know, I kind of piled up my 50 favorite books uh, for research purposes and wrote a lot of individual kind of 500 or 1,000 word essays because I was used to writing shorter things, obviously, for social media consumption. Hmm. Um, Everything with a bent, everything with an opinion, everything with a lens. Um, And then it was kind of the job of curating it into something that made sense. So what we ended up with, um, and the reason that the guide is unconventional, uh, is that the first part of it is trees through my lens, you know, like Hmm. essentially how I experience the world, what I like to not only exploring trees in the forest, looking at their different species and finding them scientifically interesting, but also the idea that I can't fucking stop thinking about trees ever um, and how that kind of invades different parts of my life. Like there's a tree award show where I try to combine trees with pop culture, which uh, which is coming on Earth Day this year in real life. At the Carl Lemley uh, Royal Theater, everybody, 10 p.m. Uh, tickets will be available on the Lemley re- uh, website shortly. Uh, hosting it this year with the guys from Completely Arbitrary. Get excited. It's a lot um, of fun, at least from what I've seen from the videos. It's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Well, so maybe just, this time just it's a- going to be at 10 p.m. So everybody's going to be wasted. So it should be pretty fun. <laughs> so just for the people that aren't familiar, the Tremies, of course, the Tree Emmys. You're trying. You're trying to um, to offer certain trees. Um, That's right. A, an additional platform, let's say, uh, about special features that they have. Um, yeah. Did I do <laughs> uh, somewhat of yeah. an okay job explaining yeah, yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. It's the only. <laughs> it's the only award show that recognizes the importance of trees in popular culture. Uh, an award show for trees in film, television, and the internet. Um, this mm. year, we are expanding the categories: most promising seed. Uh, best forest, best use of a tree as a phallic symbol. Um, it's, it's so going smart. To be, it's going to be a very <laughs> exciting evening. Um, I no, can't it's like, wait. I wish I lived in California. Part of, part of it is an award show parody. And part of it is the fact that I'm like, I'm watching. Sometimes when I, I watch a movie and I'm, all, and I'm already checked out, I'm like, I hate this. Why am I watching this? I'll simply look for trees in the movie. And I'll just be like, oh, look at that. A horse chestnut. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, we're in Paris. It makes sense because there was a lot of horse chestnut room there after the blah, blah, blah. Um, and to be clear, this I'm is like, not just about Groot from Gardens of the Galaxy. This is. I got a lot of opinions about Groot. Do you really? Tell me oh, about Groot. Some. Tell me well, about Groot. Well, Groot is and, a. Uh... And then can we specifically talk about baby Groot? Because I do feel like baby Groot is in a category of its own. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can talk about Groot. Um, I'm not the hugest Marvel guy, but from what I understand, Groot is a uh, humanoid, uh, a human, <laughs> a humanoid, uh, or a, 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 I guess you could call him like a, a dendroid alien. Um, not yeah, that, a tree. That sounds, that sounds about right. Not a tree. Kind of in I'm... the same category as Treebeard, who also says, I am not a tree, um, in, in at least in the fictional realm. Uh what the hell were we talking about? <laughs> How do we get here? I guess book, I'm I'm maybe? what I'm really asking is has Groot won a tree me? Oh, um, I don't I think I I think I last year was like bullshitting around on the on Instagram and I was like, Groot is not eligible for A, B, C, D. So Groot is not um, a favorite amongst the jury. 
if I get some like pushback, I try to like manufacture one Tremi scandal each year. Last year it was like Tremi's so white oak. It's not really fun to make fun of that scandal, but like at the same time, like you know. Whatever. Hey, if you can't, uh, you're a comedian. Fake. You got to be able to touch on it, all of it. And what and what was the scandal this year? Uh, I think the scandal this year. Oh, well, also the scandal last year is that you could vote twice because I used a terrible voting platform. Uh, so we fixed that. We fixed okay, that so Tremi's coming forms. back better than ever. Tremie is uh, coming back on fire. End of April. Um, uh, April twenty second. Earth Day. April twenty second. April. You sim- You simply cannot forget. Um. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, that's one little tiny section in that's Tremie's in the book. Yes. We were talking in about the, the book in the yes. book. Yes, but mm-hmm. also involved there is like is bonsai, but not talking about bonsai in terms of like this is how to wire a tree. This is what stock to find. It's about like the emotional arc of getting into this particular hobby and how it's really unforgiving well, explain explain bonsai to you know the north american european audience that may not be sure. you know that might that might know it from the odd pop culture reference but might not be familiar well it's it's a uh historically it is uh it is a chinese art form known as penjing which means uh tray scenery um, it was adapted into Japan about a thousand years ago, um, and it literally means tree in a pot. Bonsai means tree in a pot. And uh, in the past four or five hundred years, there's been a lot of uh, kind of Japanese aesthetics built up around this particular art form. So that hmm. uh, contemporarily, if you look at some of these trees, um, they are in incredibly uh beautiful but they're they're a lot of them are pretty homogenous in terms of their stylings that's starting to change a little bit in different parts of japan um but it was imported as an art form somewhere in the 1940s or 50s into north america um in in part because uh of the imprisonment of the japanese during the war um one of my favorite anecdotes is that um, a lot of imprisoned Japanese had to, uh, Japanese Americans uh, would crawl under barbed wire to uh, harvest these particular junipers from the desert after all of their possessions were obviously confiscated by the government in order to create bonsai trees in the camps during um, during uh, Japanese imprisonment, which I thought was incredible. Um, and so, so many of the great kind of California bonsai figures grew out of that. Hmm. Um, and it's been in Europe for a while now. Uh, Europe concentrates a lot more on deciduous species, uh, growing deciduous species in pots. And um, in America, what's the the big movement now um, is to work with native species that are that are beautiful, particular to America, like the redwoods or or limber pines. Um, and it's all about showcasing. Um, a full tree in a miniaturized version and creating the concept of age as well. Hmm. Um, the best trees really give off, you know, and this is all manipulated through wire and pruning. Um, the best trees give off a sense of the ancient even. Hmm. Um, they look like they're 1500 years old, but in their, they're in a tiny pot. And being able to witness that is is pretty powerful on a small scale. It's it's something that you can only really have if you, you know, drive five hours up to the bristle cones otherwise. Um it's also really expensive. <laughs> uh it what's what's really, expensive really... about it? 
when you do bonsai at a high level, trees can go for forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars um in Japan. Oh, to to buy one and then continue to, taking to care of it. Bonsai. Got yes, it. But okay. If, but if you want to try it out for yourself, it's right. extremely inexpensive. Right. Um, you can go buy a piece of nursery stock that has an interestingly shaped trunk. And then hmm. you can go watch any number of internet videos. There are so many good videos now. Oh my gosh. Even from two or three years ago when I was like just heavily getting into it um, that can tell you how to treat a root system, tell you how to treat foliage, tell you how to wire branches down so that they create the illusion of age and hopefully get it into a pot without killing it. Um, hmm. And that's part of the process. Part of the process is you are going to kill trees. Um because that's how you learn um and in some circles that's controversial um but i still look at trees as just trees um and i don't really think it's all that different from cutting your lawn uh so yeah bonsai Interesting. very emotionally involving yeah no kidding no kidding so we've got must love trees an unconventional guide it's covering your lens, your look on the natural world, how that came to be, uh, different ways that you've been incorporating that into your content, like the tree mees, uh, like oh, yeah. into your into your life, like bonsai, which is also a frequent subject matter of your videos. Um, oh, yeah. What what else can what else can readers expect from your book? Well, this whole second half of the book is called "Welcome to Tree High," and it's a rundown of the hundred most popular i kind of it's a, it's a pretty arbitrary list but there are 700 trees in in north america and i couldn't do them all um but about the the hundred most popular or well-known or important trees in america if they were characters in a high school so <laughs> they're it's full bore like no holds barred anthropomorphism it's the most shameless anthropomorphism anybody's ever done on trees even even including J.R.R. Tolkien. And I, I want him to roll in his grave when he hears that. <laughs> um, like uh, the Ponderosa is the homecoming king. The, you know, kind of using some of our more familiar. Right. Um, what am I? What am, like tropes, like high school tropes. Yeah, yeah. High, high Stereotypes. School tropes or, yeah. Or, or character archetypes. There we go. Mm -hmm. um, but also like, you know, the bristlecone pine is the super senior who like never leaves and uh but he's on his he's on his third third victory lap <laughs> he's on he, he's been there for a while yeah the american chestnut is the uh, is the injured qb you know because he's been completely wiped out um and he like watches on the hill from afar everybody else have all of their um uh, so, all of their glory Tobin, anyway, but who it's... are who are if you were the class clown who are you in a in a high school tree uh maybe the ginkgo um, the ginkgo the ginkgo an ancient is, uh, fossil an ancient fossil the fossil tree of course M because um he's stinky and uh i'm pretty stinky i'm a stinky guy um <laughs> just kidding only if you ask my daughter when i try to pick her up after i come back from a run she'll go away from me you're stinky i was like come on give me a hug she's like you're stinky i'm sure um, hey you're, and then you but, should say uh, hey could have been a calories pear yeah oh Oh gosh. I mean, yeah, could have been a Brad, could have been a Bradford or a calorie pair. Could be yeah. terrible. Oh gosh. Um, but in in Tree High, the way they deal with the Genko is they they make him the mascot. Um because they put a gigantic 
uh, fungus outfit on him so he can't stink <laughs> up the entire stadium. Uh, and also he's kind of, nobody really knows what to do with him and he's out of control because he's on his own um, like taxonomical branch and he's not a part of the angiosperms or the gymnosperms. Um, so I like to think of myself as a, a really weird ginkgo, even though you and I know that the ginkgo is a historically significant tree for many cultures, especially for Asian cultures, and that there are ginkgos that are currently a thousand years old that look, again, majestic uh, when they lose all of their leaves in the fall. Needless so to say, needless to say, uh, I don't think there's ever been a book like this written out will, there. It, I this is one of both. a kind. I want people to find some parts, maybe a little charming, roll their eyes at a lot. <laughs> like, I just need some reactions. Again, again, I don't need this. To, this is my first, this is my first flourish. And from here on out, I think I'll get a little bit more professional. But this is my starting point. This is my, my first offering. And for everyone, of course, listening, um, dying to know where can they get their copy of Bus Love Trees? Uh, it's on pre-order now, um, published on April 11th, and basically anywhere. You can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Barnes & Noble, you can get it at uh, through Bookshop. Um, if and features Tobin on place, the front cover. A cartoonized version of me. Mm -hmm. I had to be like, I think my edits of my avatar were like, um, I don't think my nose is that big. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll That enough, like, that enough is already to get people to Google it. That comment alone. I have a I have a good size bump, but it's it wasn't the first one kind of looked like a <laughs> it looked kind of like a John Krasinski size nose. And I was like, I don't think I'm quite at Krasinski's level. I'll do I'll do compliments to, to Krasinski. All due respect um, to John. Sorry, respect to to John the man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so pre-order. Uh order now. You can get your copy as of uh April 11th. And 11th, you can yeah. you can be at the Tremies on April twenty second if you're lucky to you be in Los be. Angeles area. Yes, at the Carl Lemley Theater at ten p.m. Uh, hosted by me and the Arbitrary Guys, uh, Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Um, also, I'm I want to plug their podcast because it's freaking fantastic. Completely arbitrary uh, investigates a different Ooh. tree each week, and they're just really really good at being themselves and <laughs> completely arbitrary Ar arbitrary arbitrary i like that i like that i think that'll be a hit amongst a lot of the listeners here as well it's great i think yes. we've got some over overlapping listenership there yes also i have a my book launch technically is at the is at the skirball center on april 11th it is already half full um so you should go check out the skirballs website if you want to uh reserve free tickets you get a periodic table of pine cones uh if you come and who doesn't want exciting. that uh no one it's awesome it's beautiful so <laughs> that's what everybody's been waiting for that's what i'm telling you guys listeners um this guy is highly unique and the content he makes is highly unique and i've never seen anything like it and it was actually my sister-in-law that first sent me one of your videos uh oh, two God, and a half it? three three no more than three years ago really? um no i wasn't around three years ago i didn't have anything no, on the internet three years ago 20 no it was it was 2020 that was oh, three years ago Ma late late 2020 that makes sense yeah that makes sense i mean i know time flies when you're having fun making tree videos was it the was it the pinecone review video? 
uh from what I remember it was although I was remembering I was like it was at the pinecone workout but I was like no that was a that was a more recent one so it must have been the pinecone review video <laughs> I can't believe this is my life oh god this is what I was thinking be of man I, I loved you in the pinecone review yeah I loved you in that pinecone <laughs> review thanks man thanks I have a I have a I have a whole family and uh you know, I'm really proud of them, but you like the pine cone video. Okay, whatever. I was thinking of doing a live ac- auction of the actual pine cones that I used in that video because that video got really popular for some reason. At oh, the that would launch. be a that would be a good idea. I like that. In addition to the periodic <laughs> pine cone periodic table. Yeah, you get the periodic table of pine cones. You get a tree. You get you can spend money on pine cones that are that are withering away to dust. What can't you have at this book launch? Bring a bag. It's gonna be great. You're gonna yes. you're gonna need a bag. Um, okay. Uh, two last questions for you. Um, yeah. One a little bit more serious, and mm-hmm. and that is, what do you think is the most? What? Why? What is the most common misconception that people have around trees, in your opinion? The most common misconception, well, that they're boring hmm. because we're so used to their ubiquity and there's no reason to look up at a tree when you're walking down the street because you assume that, you know, the trees that they plant, especially in urban areas, are just planted there for decorative purposes or that they're just kind of these stinky... <laughs> like uh carbon absorbing tough big plants that can kind of just trick you into thinking that you're somewhere nice um boring big plants boring big plants and mm-hmm. you know trees demand attention if you want to reap the full benefits of experiencing one um mm-hmm. and if you want to kind of experience a tree on a personal level you can't just kind of look at a video of a really old tree um, on TikTok or or Instagram, even though that's very cool, you should probably go out to, uh, I don't know, a local park that's well-maintained and spend some time up near the bark and, and check it out. You might feel a little bit like somebody's forcing you to do that from your nursery school years or something like that, or something, you know, like- Spend, spend a little bit- sort of, yeah, spend a little bit more time in awe of trees. You know, there's actual and, research to back that up that it's good for you. Yes, of course. And you know, forest bathing entire entire industries are are based off of that. Mm-hmm. It makes you happier. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have a good answer just because I'm so deep in it that I I always forget to take a step back and like think about how people who aren't tree pilled experienced trees on a regular basis but what i'd imagine it would be is like why would you think twice about about a gigantic plant i don't know they're Hmm. so common that in some sense you lose your appreciation for them but i think i think that the times when they really get to people and and the times of the year specifically that they really um they they bore into the culture is usually when the leaves are turning and there's an opportunity for for seeing foliage or something like that and the great variety of foliage that comes in places like the northeast that i don't have here unfortunately Mm -hmm. um and you know it's kind of like 
you have to make an effort to appreciate trees, which is hard. Um, and I sympathize with it, which is why I try to explain from my point of view that I, I find them energizing and I don't really know why. Well, I think um, that's just it. I mean, your your content and your videos and now your book are different media that are helping people to open their eyes to the very things that are around us and that are that are literally sustaining us and our lives as human beings. And I think that's probably what you speak to, this idea of, well, they're boring big plants and why should I care about them? And I think that speaks to this broader kind of trend that I've seen that we are caring less and less about maybe nature in general, maybe urban trees specifically. And we kind of take for granted until in many neighborhoods or many streets, they're gone. And it's not really until that moment that we realize what we've lost. So yeah. my my big hope with At Jews Love Trees and the work that you do is that it it helps people in an accessible way open up their eyes to something that we really need to be careful not to lose in our lifetime and make sure that we preserve it for generations to come, which I know is like the oldest cliche in the book when it comes to trees. But well, it's all it's, it's all aiming towards that, right? But just mm. everybody has their own their own method of of doing that. Like the project is surviving and thriving. My particular medium is is video and humor. I don't think it's very different from what somebody like, you know, the goat researcher Suzanne Samard is doing, which is just showing people that trees are trees have communities through how they interact through their mycorrhiza you know like these things are all aiming at the same thing which is a healthy planet and happier people um mine i think i guess i try to think about a tree as an end in and of itself you know of, of course i i love reading about things like climate change and thinking about how i can live my life differently but i there's nothing more uh, peaceful and meaningful for me than taking a walk that I know will be a couple of miles up to the oldest tree in Angeles National Forest, this this limber pine called um, Wally Waldron, which is like bizarrely named after some old Boy Scout leader, which I know is 1500 years old and just kind of standing in the presence of it and looking at it and looking at the dead wood interacting with the live wood and how it's just continued to exist after 1500 years i think it's it's beautiful and it's moving and um that's all it's, i can really it's majestic oh <laughs> and it's so majestic <laughs> but speaking of speaking of the goat suzanne samard um my concept internet of nature what this podcast is based on and my work has been based on is in part inspired very much by this idea of course that trees have and nature as a whole has um its own kind of internet in which it interacts with one another. And I felt like that connection, that biological communication network, if you will, was broken in cities. And I was curious if we could use our own communication networks, that the broader kind of use of technology to help restore that. So this, this podcast speaks a lot about sensors and satellite imagery and LIDAR and blockchain and machine learning and all these new kind of exciting ways that we might be able to do that to better map, monitor and manage trees and uh, ecology and cities. But a large part that I think people often forget about the Internet of Nature is also about using technology to reconnect specifically urban dwellers to nature. Yeah. So with that in mind, 
the last question that I ask all of my guests who come on the show is what does the internet of nature mean to you? Well, I think it just means connecting over experiences that we probably might not have talked about before. <laughs> like mm. one of the best things about TikTok is somebody will talk about some teeny tiny little thing and the video will go viral because it almost works in the same way that a great like stand-up joke works where you talk about something that hitherto was was just silent information known to everybody. So if I talk about something about a tree like i i love a tree from my childhood and everybody else starts thinking about how they love a tree from their childhood as well it kind of it activates a particular part of ourselves that was already there but maybe dormant um so i think the internet of nature to me means figuring out how we all have more commonality and how we think about nature than we did before mm. that is I kid you not, one of the best answers I've ever gotten, and also the only answer to include TikTok. Oh, good. <laughs> well, hey, I have mixed feelings about social media. That's the thing. I owe social media my whole friggin' like whatever is working right now professionally in my life. And at the same time, I'm like, but it's also bad, bad, bad. Hey, <laughs> so, but you yeah. know, in, in many ways, that's also um a lot of the discussions that I get into around the internet of nature is and of course, you know, putting technology and nature in the same sentence is already going to elicit just a huge widespread of opinions and controversy around that. And uh, those are exactly the kind of discussions I like to be having because that's the thing, right? Technology, whether that's social media or any other form of technology, it's all about in how we use it and yep. not mm -hmm. how it uses us. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. thank you, Tobin. This was a lot of fun to record. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for listening to the Internet of Nature podcast. Want to learn more about the Internet of Nature? Subscribe to my newsletter at nadinahalla.com. I'm looking forward to bringing you another great guest next week. As always, remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review if you learned something new. The best way to support us is to share this episode with a friend or colleague. Season five of the Internet of Nature podcast on the future of urban forestry is brought to you by Planet Geo. See you next week.